Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. Now I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. And in other episodes, we'll talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And every once in a while, we'll come across an interesting person, and we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast unusual is that only one of us sails. Yeah, that would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. Tack versus jib, starboard versus port, it all confuses me. So, you know, I ask the questions and Bela, you give the answers and that's the way I like it. Yeah, uh, well, I'll do my best, Mike. You know, before we dive into this episode, we want to say a special thank you to our supporters. You know, we now have a Patreon page, so if you'd like to support the podcast, it's super easy. Just go to patreon.com forward slash sailing the east. And thanks again to all of our listeners and a special thanks to our supporters. Agreed, Bela. Thanks to everybody. Now, this is the second part today of our third conversation with Mike Malikoff. Okay, do you got that? Second part of the third conversation. He was a guest back in episode 66 and in 72 and 73, which was a two-parter in part one of this conversation, which is episode 70, which was 77. This is 78. Now, he started on his trip, if I remember correctly, on Lake Champlain, and there was the goal of making it to the Bahamas, right? 66 was he was on land in Lake Champlain telling us about it. 72 and 73, he was underway from Lake Champlain, and now this is the end of the update. So listen to 77 first. And uh, and then we'll follow his progress as he's kind of heading toward the islands. Yeah. So this was a great conversation with him. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he was actually in the cockpit of his boat. Uh, and while we recorded this, uh, he had a drink in his hand. <laughs> it looked quite nice. And I was very envious uh, because I was sitting in cold, snowy upstate New York. So make sure you listen to actually all the episodes with Mike. Uh, I think it's a real entertaining series of uh, episodes. Great. I can't wait to hear how this one ends. I'm on the edge of my seat. So let's pick it right back up from the end of episode 77 uh, and jump right to the conversation, the final part of the conversation with Mike Malikoff. Right. So, any any problems with seasickness when you were outside? Um, our boat is all fiberglass, so I don't have any wood to knock on to say <laughs> no. Uh, uh, neither, neither one of us has had a problem um, Carrie, my wife, has said, you know, sometimes when she goes below to, say, make some food or something and we're bouncing around yeah. a bit, yeah. that it can get a bit disturbing, you know, where she needs to come up into the cockpit and she's taken some stuff to prevent it. But it, it doesn't really bother me at all. So yeah. I, I'm just lucky, I guess. And that's in great that respect. And, and remind our listeners what, what boat you have. Uh, we have a boat very similar to yours. We have a, a Hunter 44 Dexalon. Yep. 
Yeah, very good. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, people listening uh, knew that as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, so so you made down to uh, eventually where did you so you down down in Charleston and then from where where'd you go after that? Then from Charleston, we went all the way down to Brunswick, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then from Brunswick, Georgia, we went outside and and went down into Florida, uh, into Fernandina. Mm-hmm. And then we just made our way slowly down. And eventually we ended up two places we really liked. We were in Vero Beach, which had a, uh, a mooring system, but it was a really well-run public marina uh, that uh, it was a short walk into town. And we were there for a few days. And then eventually we got into Jensen Beach and got on a mooring ball and they had a town or county mooring system there. And we stayed there for two or three weeks, finishing all the work on the boat because we improved all of our solar on Mm. the boat. And we added, uh, we added, we have over, I think it's 700 watts of solar now on the boat. So one of the things we were figuring out is we had some solar, but we didn't know how much we would really need. So we figured, well, let's see as we're going south, we'll see how things are going. And then once we get to Florida, we can determine that. And then we can add solar because we're in Florida. Boating is huge. There's tons of marinas. There's tons of electricians. Everything is here. So we can do it in Florida. The mistake I made was every boat in the U.S. is in Florida at the time, and every marina is packed, and every marine electrician is booked for three months out. So, so we had someone design the system for us, and my wife and I installed it, and we did oh. a great job. Oh, very nice, very nice. So, uh, do you have a generator on the boat? Yes, we have a Panda uh, six thousand watt generator. Yeah, yeah, same as mine. So what made you sort of, you know, talk through the energy and sort of the conclusion you wanted to add more solar versus running the generator for a period of time or uh, et cetera? Yeah, we, we, you know, again, uh, obviously when you're running the engine, if we're motoring, obviously it recharges the batteries. Yeah. Um, And then, um, but what we wanted to do is once we knew and in Jensen Beach, we were off the dock, we were on our own, we were powered you know, on land, really getting an idea of what our power needs are. And as you know, today's boats and technology, um, you know, we have everything from air conditioning to central vac on this boat and microwaves and toasters, and it all uses energy. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we had uh, sufficient power so that we weren't running a generator constantly. Yeah. And yeah. You know, we're, 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 I think we're holding our own, even, you know, it's a lot of 700 plus watts is a lot, but, we're, you know, it's still holding our own that it is recharging during the day. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, we, we still run the generator or right now we're in a marina and we're hooked to power, but we're not really using it much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the nice thing about solar is it's quiet. It's just, yes, it's it's very quiet. Yeah, that's that's the well, my of it. my my wife worries with the generator. My wife worries about the noise to the neighbors. Ironically, I don't know if yours is the same. You cannot hear our generator at all 
outside the boat. It's only downstairs in the salon right. that you can hear the generator. And it does have that case. I, I, does yours have the white case, the soundproof yes. case? Yeah. Yeah. And it does, a, it does a great job, but obviously it's still annoying running a generator. Yeah. yeah. Mine's in and, that white and it's case. it's using fuel. It's in, it's in that white case, and then it's under the navigation uh, area seat. That's where mine is tucked away. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. where mine is. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, you can definitely so, hear uh, it down below. Yeah. So anyway, we we uh, made it to Jensen Beach, and we got everything ready with the boat, and then the thing was looking for a weather window to cross and then to get far enough south to make the crossing. And our crossing, we were gonna go from uh, south of Miami over to Bimini, mm -hmm. uh, which is like the shortest jump yes. and the closest island uh, uh, there. And the reason that you go so far south is because of the Gulf Stream, uh, which can be up to four knots, carries you north. So you want to be south of your destination. So we went to a location south of Miami called No Name Harbor, mm -hmm. uh, which is about 15 miles, 15 or so miles south. And then the morning that we left, we went an additional 10 or 12 miles south and then started to cross. And as we're crossing, the Gulf Stream started carrying us north and we picked up speed where we were doing seven and a half to eight knots in the Gulf Stream and crossed in one day. And it was it was fantastic because, you know, it's a big deal. You're getting out on the ocean, you're crossing the Gulf Stream. Uh, uh, Bela, it was like a lake. There wasn't mm. a ripple in the water <laughs> and we couldn't really sail, yeah. but that was okay with us because it was as, as calm as could be. Yeah, yeah. So you ended up motoring across for the most part? Mm-hmm motored across made it there we we thought we'd make it by three or four o'clock we made it by 2 30. oh one, what time um, did you leave in the morning uh we left right at dawn which was around six o'clock oh. so we were pulling wow. out it was still dark yeah and and but as soon as we left there were other boats leaving the same time all, all because it was going to be such an easy crossing a lot of people were jumping over that way yeah. And uh, so we got over there. Getting into Bimini was a little tricky because they're not as particular about maintaining their markers as we are <laughs> here in the yeah. States. So so it's like they might be there, they might not. But it was really good because there were some other boats that were very helpful that knew the inlet that helped us avoid the sand and the shoaling uh, getting and the current was pretty strong there. Yeah. And so there's boats in front of us, there's boats behind us. And and here is the neat thing. The guy that helped us in, he said, you know, you can see the bottom everywhere. He said, just follow the colors. And it was like, oh, that's eye opening because the lighter it gets, the shallower it is. And literally the water over here is so crystal clear that you can see everything and as it lightens it gets shallower so we made it in and as we're going in sort of surreal a i'd say six foot wide manta ray jumped up in front of our boat completely out of the water and splashed down oh my gosh it was wow. the coolest thing 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so we, we, we've, you know, basically we've, uh, made it over here and, uh, um, you know, we went from Bimini and then we did another long day and came over to the Berry Islands and we're staying here for a week or so. And we're waiting for another weather window, but mm-hmm. right now we're really happy. We achieved our plan or our goal or whatever. We're in the bomb is on our boat. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, enjoying life that uh, every day it's 80 degrees and sunny and uh, the water here is just incredible so we can sit on our boat and we look down and watch the sharks go by and uh, uh, the manta rays and everything else uh, where we're located so yeah so let's talk about the crossing a little bit more Uh, what was sort of your go no grow criteria for going across the gulf stream over to bimini um essentially we were we used three or four of the weather systems that are available you know the 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 ones that most people are familiar with is like predict wind uh wavy um uh, you know there's there's a couple of others that we were looking at and one we were looking at obviously uh we wanted southerly winds that mm-hmm. we're going to push us north. The one thing that people said is you do not want to cross with strong northerly winds because you're going to be fighting it the whole way. So we were looking at that and we were looking at the sea state is that, you know, we found that if we want to be comfortable, if the sea state is two to four or more way, you know, uh, in terms of wave height, we're just not going. And I didn't care if we were going to sit there for a week or two weeks, right. and some people do, and some don't care. But we were waiting for the right day, and fortunately, we got like three or four days where everything just calmed down. And the day we picked, there was not a breath of wind. There wasn't a wave to be seen. And that was, you know, and we left. And uh, it was, for all the planning, I was expecting that to be a challenge, and it turned out it was probably one of the easiest sales we had the the entire six months we've been gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. You you certainly hear people uh, talking a lot about the anguish that the that crossing the Gulf Stream gives them, and yeah. uh, and some of yeah. them when when if they picked the wrong set of. Uh, the wrong set of criteria, you know, a northerly wind, uh, and the and the the wind from the north and the Gulf Stream flowing from south to north, it's well documented that that gives you big steep waves, and uh, that's Correct. not a bargain. Yeah, so and, sounds and, like yours was great. You know, it, it was, and 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 I'll say this, and I, we're we're still neophytes in this whole sailing business. I, I will say this: we're very conservative, and. The systems that are out there to, you know, to check the weather, the waves, there's so many of them. And, you know, you you can you can guarantee, you know, certainly if you're crossing an ocean, you can only look at the weather, you know, three to five days out. But when we're going for a day sail like this to cross the Gulf Stream, I mean, the day before you pretty much know what the weather's going to be like the following day. Yeah. And if there's anything that's even close to being in the forecast, you just say, we're not going, you know, yeah. we're going to wait. And everything works in a cycle down here in the Bahamas of, 
sort of a counterclockwise wind direction that every week to 10 days, 14 days, the northerly winds start, they kick up and then they die down and it moves around and you have this high that'll come in for several days where it's nice and calm. And, you know, it's it's fairly regular. And right now we're sitting in a marina because we're going to go out tomorrow. But the weather this Friday and Saturday is supposed to really kick up and be strong. And we're just going to hide back in the marina. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I have found that those those weather apps and those wind apps are, are pretty darn good for 24 hours or less. Once you start, yes. you know, two days or three days out, then they're still okay, but the, it, it, it's the, 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 the probability of them being accurate goes down. Well, yeah. y- yes, and, and what I've found and what others have told me or that we've talked about, when they all agree, you're in good shape. Yes. Where you get nervous is when they don't agree and you're looking out three or four days right because that that's a signal that uh, it could go either way but if you're looking and everybody has the same prediction and and uh uh then you're you're pretty good and and you know what the nice thing and i've said this in our previous discussions we've met some unbelievable people out here everybody is so helpful and there are people that have years of experience doing this and They'll sit with you. They'll go over the weather. They'll show you what they're thinking, where they're going. So it's it's you have to make your own decision, but it is helpful having yeah. other people give you their two cents and stuff. So. Yeah. One of the things that somebody once told me uh, when those weather models diverge is that pick the one that's the worst situation for you and assume that that's what's going to mm. happen. Don't assume the best case, assume the worst case. And if the worst yeah, case and, is okay for you, then you're probably good. But if the worst case and, is a no-go, then abide by that. Yeah, that's that's also uh, uh, true. I, I think our biggest thing is the, the winds don't bother us too much. You know, we're pretty good now with handling the boat. You know, uh, when we first got the boat, anything over five knots was scary for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then eventually, well, 10 is a little better. And wow, the boat really sails well at 15. And I can handle the boat at 20, 20 plus. Uh, but it's the waves. And and that's I think that's the thing that, you know, we're still anxious about is, you know, when you're in the five to six foot waves, it's just not fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, but you know what? We we're just we take it one day at a time, and you know we avoid. Again, we're conservative sailors. Yeah. And uh, you know, just making sure that we're not getting into anything that we feel we can't handle. So. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's where that's we're great. at. So, um, hey, I, I I'd like to continue this, but um, tonight is big pizza night here at the marina. <laughs> yeah and well and things work things work a certain way here in the bahamas you sign up for things uh that uh everything is done in an orderly fashion and if you're not ready you miss out they don't wait for you <laughs> got it can can you give me five more minutes mike i had like two yes. more questions oh, yeah. and then we'll yes. wrap up yeah okay go, no go yeah. ahead so 
my one question was, what are some of the things that uh, you wish you knew that someone would have told you, you know, that you have learned along the way? Um, I'll say I'll say one thing, and I mentioned it before. For all the sailing knowledge that I gained to prepare to handle the boat is all the other stuff mm. that no one ever talked about that we've learned on our own like uh something as simple as you know we have a bridle for our when we anchor the boat yes and okay do you know how difficult it is to get the bridle on if you don't know how to hook that hook onto <laughs> the the chain you know your anchor chain yeah and you know, the first couple times I did it, I was so frustrated because it's like this hook doesn't stay on the chain. I can't get it to stay on the chain. Well, lo and behold, I spoke with somebody and then said, well, here's the way it really works. Yeah. And now it's a piece. It's a piece of cake. So, you yeah. know, uh, it's, you know, simple things along those lines, like no one telling us about the shrimp. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's all the what I'll call non-sailing things mm -hmm. that uh, I could probably write a book about, um, you know, about, you know, uh, you know, your dinghy that we carry with us. Uh, we learned the hard way. We don't keep we have a davits to hang the dinghy off the yeah. back uh, when we're going on a passage or something long. We don't keep it on the davits. We take it and put it on the bow of the boat and strap right. it down. Yep. Because as soon as you start getting into any type of waves or weather or anything, I don't care how tight you make that dinghy in the back, it starts to get a mind of its own. And as someone said to us, if you're trying to manage the boat, it's heavy weather and you're you're focused on controlling and managing the boat, do you really need to worry about the dinghy falling right. off the back? Right. You know, it's a distraction. So, yep. you know, something like that, uh, which I don't consider anything to do with sailing. But someone said to us, put the damn thing on the front of the boat. And yep. and we have and we have now if we're going 10 miles or something and we know the seas are fine, then we'll use the davits. Sure. But other than that, it goes on the front. So yep. so it's those non sailing things. Uh, uh, that, uh, I, I'd say. Yeah, well, that's good advice. Yeah, certainly about the dinghy. I've, I've learned that lesson as well. You don't want the dinghy hanging off the back of the boat when the seas are getting rough and the wind is picking up. Um, well, you know, we've also, we've talked to people that drag their dinghy and then we hear stories where, you know, they get into a little rough weather or they back up. And the next thing right. you know is the line to the dinghy is wrapped around their the prop. Uh, prop. Yeah. Yeah. What about a, what about a piece of equipment? Is there a, a, a piece of equipment that you wish you would have bought sooner? Hmm. Um, or did you basically buy, go I, to West Marine and say, I'll take one of everything before you left? <laughs> I, I'm afraid to say, I think we planned really well. Now we didn't have the whisker pole, but I knew that, and we were yeah. fine with that, that. That okay, that's a that's more of a refinement. Um, we did buy a water maker. We haven't used it yet, oh. but we do have okay. the uh, portable one, uh, and 
we were just waiting to get over here. We're going to probably test it tomorrow when, yeah. when we go out sailing. But um, I, I don't think there's anything specific that. Very good. Gosh, we should have had one of those. We really, hey, we planned this for three years, so we did our homework. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Hey, Mike, it was really great catching up with you. I, I don't want to interrupt your pizza night here, um, <laughs> and uh, well, I'm glad I'm glad you're we finally able to do this. this. Yeah. Well, well, you'll enjoy this. The the guy that handles the fuel dock makes the pizza, so uh, you don't want to get on his bad side because we have to fuel up tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's it, it's been a long trip. And uh, yeah, we're just here now trying to enjoy what was three years in the making at yeah. this point. Well, I, I, it's great that you've gotten this far. And I think uh, let's uh, when you get to another nice stopping point in the future, you know, uh, another month out or sure. so. And uh, let's do another check in and uh, see where you guys are and get an update on it. Uh, I think it's, this is nice because our, our listeners can sort of follow along with, you know, uh, with you as you guys have made your progress. Yeah. And, and uh, it's been great talking to you and, and you being in the same boat, so to speak with uh, almost the same boat and the same yep. weather conditions up, up North. But, you know, I'll just say this is that uh, again, we've met so many great people. We've had a lot of, uh, interesting encounters and excitement. I, I, and I will say for people, it isn't a vacation though. It's a lifestyle because there's so much to do to get to the point where we are. But if, if you are prepared and you plan, it, you know, you won't encounter too many right. surprises. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a journey. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a life journey. It's, it's been one hell of a journey for us. So uh, we're now enjoying the fruits of all that work sitting here uh, in 80 degree weather right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, last night we had about a foot yeah. of snow up here. So um, you're, we, you're you're in the right spot. We we look at the weather every morning and say, aren't we happy we're not there this winter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, Mike, hey, it's been a real pleasure. Right. Thank you very much for making this happen. And uh, we'll You're check welcome. in uh, when you guys at, our, at our, your next beautiful place. Take care. Bye-bye. Great. And hopefully our Starlink will work. All right. Yeah, Bye, Bela. Take care. Bye. Wow. Bela, that was a great conclusion to a pretty amazing story. Thanks for the update. What were your big takeaways? Yeah. You know, uh, I find it interesting. Uh, on a sailboat, you sort of have to be self-sufficient when it comes to all sorts of stuff, particularly power. Right. So we talk about, you know, conserving energy and all this kind of stuff. And and you get on a sailboat, particularly on a long cruise like this, uh, you all of a sudden start really being careful about managing your resources. Um, and, you know, uh, Mike talked about adding solar uh, to his boat so that, uh, you know, he sort of can generate a fair amount of electricity because these days there's also electricity runs everything on a boat. And uh, so he doesn't have to run his generator. Generators tend to be a little noisy. They burn diesel fuel, uh, solar power on a boat, particularly when you're in the southern southern sections of the country, of the world, where there's a lot of sun, makes a heck of a lot of sense. And I remember listening to uh, a podcast a number of years ago where, where these people uh, had a nice big boat and they would take out guests, uh, friends with them. And whenever they would be out, you know, the their friends would say, oh, I'll do the dishes. And 
and the comment was, we never let guests do dishes because they use way too much water. <laughs> so, you know, because you, you only have a finite amount of water in your tanks. Mm -hmm. And and so we always do the dishes because, you know, I haven't figured out exactly how to do these and rinse them and not use any excess water where guests just, you know, leave the faucet running like you do at the, like, like at home and, and use tons of water. So I think this notion of, of, you know, cruising around on a sailboat or any boat or even a motor home, if, if you're going to do that, you know, all of a sudden you get really tuned in to resources. And, and I think it's a good lesson for all of us to sort of, you know, have that experience because I think it makes, it makes you realize that when you're at home or you're in other situations where you can just turn on the faucet or turn on the power switch and you got all the power you want. So that was one, one takeaway. It's a mindset, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Uh, now, my, you know, I have another question and the regular listeners know I often ask a lot of questions that might sound a little bit dumb, but I kind of know what the Gulf Stream is, right? I mean, I, I know theoretically what it is, but why is it such a big deal for sailors and why is it so seems like it's a, a risky, dangerous, big deal yeah. um, when you're making this crossing. Yeah. So one thing I'll recommend is, is that you Google uh, image Gulfstream or Gulfstream picture or something. There's these great uh, images that satellites have taken of the Gulfstream, you know, and it's basically mapping water temperature. Uh, and it just really gives you a, a good visual of what the Gulfstream looks like. So the Gulfstream... The source of the Gulf Stream is in the Gulf of Mexico. The warm, shallow water there warms up the water. And for whatever reasons, the Coriolis effect of the world spinning, the earth spinning, and all that kind of stuff, that water kind of starts flowing, and it flows between the south tip of Florida and Cuba. And then when it goes around the south tip of Cuba, I think because of uh, the depth of the water, so like where the Bahamas is and and uh, the the sort of Caribbean chain, the water is really shallow there. So it's the water kind of turns north at the south tip of Florida and heads up the, the east coast of Florida and the east coast of the United States. And the narrowest part right there is between sort of like Miami and the Bahamas. It's mm -hmm. like only 80 miles wide there. And so all this water kind of gets funneled through there and it and it goes like three or four knots i mean it's it's considerable um and so when you're trying to get from the united states to the bahamas you got to go through the gulf stream so it's it's so if you're trying to go east it's pushing you north <laughs> mm -hmm. so you know, and on a sailboat, you're not going that fast. You're only going six knots. So if it's pushing you north at four knots, <laughs> you know, yeah. you you're you're you really got to sort of plan that out. And that's why Mike said they went much further south than where they wanted to end up, so that when they pointed east, due east, they were going east and north at the same time because of the current, and they ended up sort of where they wanted to be. So they found a kind of sweet spot, right? To, yeah. To and people have figured this out. Right. People yeah. have figured this out. It's yeah. not it's not a mystery. Right. Because right. one or two places along the Florida coast where sailors in particular congregate. If you have a motorboat, it's a little different because you can go 20 knots sure. and it's and the four knots less of an impact. Now, here's the other thing. That you have to be careful about, and this is true 
any place where there's a current. So inlets to harbors have this same challenge. When the current is going in one direction and the wind is blowing in the opposite direction, the waves get steep and big. And by steep, I mean they're very close together, right? Mm -hmm. Out in the ocean, uh, the waves are often, you know, the big rolling waves are like four or five seconds apart. So they're they're big rolling waves, but they're 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 spaced. Mm-hmm. But when when the wind is blowing in the opposite direction of the current, the waves bunch up and and they're just as tall, but now they're really close together, which which is not comfortable and and the waves even get bigger. So when you're going across the Gulf Stream, you hear people talking about a weather window, and what that means is. They want to make sure the wind is from the south or there's no wind, mm-hmm. right? Now, the other thing you have to remember is you, you you don't want to leave like the day after a big storm because it takes a day or two for the ocean to calm down. So if there was a high wind event for like two or three days and then that wind left, the waves in the ocean had two or three days to build up. It's going to take a day or two for those waves to calm down. So that's why people talk about weather windows. You look at what direction the wind is blowing from. You want it to be either going, in this case with the Gulf Stream, you want the wind from the south blowing north, so in the same direction as the current, or you want little or no wind. And you don't want to, you know, you don't want the previous day to, to have been really, really windy. So the waves are are sort of confused, right? That's another thing that happens if the winds are from the north for like three days. And mm-hmm. then they shift to the south the following day. The some some waves are trying to head north, and other waves are trying to head south, and the and the seas get confused. So when you're doing these types of things, you gotta you gotta kind of plan this stuff out a little bit. But yeah, that's the Gulf Stream. Uh, this is the trickiest part. Is right here between Florida and the Bahamas. The Gulf Stream flows all the way up the east coast of the United States, past Nova Scotia, and over to the UK. Right. So there's the current decreases, of course, the further north it goes because it starts getting wider and wider and wider, uh, but it it flows uh, in that direction. That's why the fishing is so good, the commercial fishing for cod and all that type of tuna and all that kind of stuff, you know, in these various different places along the east coast of the United States, all the way up into Nova Scotia, because the water is warm and warm water brings nutrients, attracts fish, and there you go. Yeah. It's also responsible why we have nicer weather here, even though we're much farther north than you are. It's much warmer here year round because of the Gulf Stream. And that's how I kind of know it. But this was really interesting to hear about it kind of from the from the sailors perspective. So, OK, so they got across the Gulf Stream. They found this window and that was really interesting listening to the apps and trying to figure out the the timing. Right. When you had a good, clear shot gets across. Anything else strike you as interesting about this particular trip? Uh, no, I, th- I think it was, I think it was a pretty uneventful trip. If you ask me, right. In the first episode, they talked about, you know, having the fuel problem and the engine stalling, having to get towed mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, but, uh, we addressed that in pretty good detail there. We talked about polishing fuel. Uh, I think the, you know, the big thing, one of the big takeaways to me was you, you got to get out there and you got to get the experience. You can take courses, you can read books and those courses and books give you the confidence to do these things and the confidence that you can learn the new things uh, as they come along. So 
I thought to me that was a that was a good one. We talked a little bit about energy conservation and sort of understanding in a boat. You know, you're you're sort of off. You're off the grid, as they say. You are clearly off the grid. So you have to sort of be cognizant of all that stuff. And depending upon where you're going, there's sometimes local effects, like the Gulf Stream. If you're trying to get from, you know, Florida over to the Bahamas, that you know you have to be aware of, and you don't want to leave under certain weather conditions. Yeah, he said a couple of times he's a conservative sailor. And I think for somebody um, like him and in a boat like his um, makes total sense. Right. And him and his wife seem like they have a good approach and they help each other and they support each other. And it just was a it was a neat story that they could accomplish the school, even though it sounded like a few times along the way, things might get totally derailed. Um, yep. But but they made it. So it was really for me kind of cool to have heard about this early on in the planning stage and this kind of wild goal that they had and um and just each step of the way kind of overcoming these obstacles and then yeah it was really cool i mean it was kind of good that his, his satellite system was down it was kind of cool just to see him on his phone sitting yeah. on his boat if you if people watch the youtube version they can see it um and you really got a sense of the relief that he had and the and and how relaxed he was yeah um, and we'll uh, we'll check in we'll check in with him again as as they continue to make progress uh probably down the caribbean chain and uh you know, we'll 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 track his progress as uh, as his adventure continues. Sounds great. So that brings us to a nice ending for this part of the story, Bela. It was great that Mike and his wife accomplished their goal of making it to the Bahamas, and I'm looking forward to that this next talk with him. So, what do you think? Should we wrap this episode up? Sounds good to me. All right, listeners, thanks for joining us for yet another episode. Uh, we hope you found our conversation interesting and thought-provoking. If you had questions about what we've discussed, as always, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, if you enjoy the podcast, please hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application. And as we said before, the podcast is also now available on YouTube, uh, so you can subscribe there as well. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. Sounds great, Bailan, from over here in Münster, Germany, where we're very hopeful that that Gulf Stream is bringing us some spring weather. I'll see you next time.